mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 30 of Putting in Work. I'm John O'Peck. And thank you for tuning in. Thank you for leaving those kind reviews. If you haven't done one, please head over to iTunes, help me out, help the show, help everyone else find the show. This week we have Tom Richardson, a Roots in Blues acoustic musician who actually grew up with in Warrnambool. We both played hockey together, believe it or not, and just kind of moving in some similar circles. But Tom's made himself a really nice career out of just being a touring musician. Uh, he's played in Tom Richardson Project but mostly as a solo artist and spends a lot of time of the year overseas in Canada and sometimes Europe playing his music and just living the life of the touring artist which is pretty cool and I think a lot of people will be interested to hear all the ways that he's made that happen all the struggles that it involves and uh, we talked a bit more about I guess just standing out and taking that leap into international territory when it comes to touring so there's a lot on that but also some really just sound advice and and discussion, I think, about what it means to live as a career musician and the hard work that's involved, but also how rewarding that can be as well when you realize that you are connecting with people on a level that kind of transcends all all race, gender, language barriers that could exist in other areas for some people. And if you don't know Tom's music, please check it out. He's an amazingly talented guitarist and singer-songwriter. So here is Tom Richardson. Enjoy the show. Thanks for joining me in Canada. What are you, like in a coffee shop or something? I am. I'm actually in the cafe. We're staying at um, this super cool campground in a place called Euclid, which is right on the very, very west coast of Vancouver Island. Awesome. And you seem to be over in Canada fairly regularly. Uh, What are you up to on this trip? Pretty similar to the last few trips that I've been lucky enough to do over here the last few tours I was lucky enough to meet an amazing Canadian girl about five years ago so we've just been trading out the summers for the last five years so uh, I've been in Canada since about early June and had a whole bunch of music festivals I was performing at and a couple of sort of summer guitar camps, music camps that I've been teaching songwriting and slide guitar and that sort of stuff at and uh, Kim and I have been combining our yoga and music workshops in various places around Western Canada and I've got a couple of shows left and we'll be heading back sort of sometime towards the end of September, October. you got that endless summer thing happening. Yeah, I haven't had a winter since 2011, it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. So we'll get a bit more into, uh, I guess, the the touring side of things, but let's start with how you got to where you are now. So uh, you grew up in Warrnambool, just like I did. What was the journey that took you from just playing gigs around pubs in Warrnambool to actually being able to tour internationally? I suppose it was just a really organic progression. You know, I did do a lot of gigs in, in the various pubs, in Warrnambool and and some of it was cover gig stuff playing guitar in a band which was really fun at the time and then um, you know for whatever reason that started to slow down and I was really enjoying songwriting I suppose and and performing my own music and um, yeah in order to to make a living a full-time living doing that it's it's pretty hard to stay in one spot for too long so I was still based out of Warrnambool and I still am when I come back to Australia but 
that led to the the touring in Australia, and then I just jumped on the internet and applied to a whole bunch of festivals in Canada and Europe and North America, and and pretty much it was very organic and came over the first time met some people came back another time met some more people uh, and it's just sort of gradually grown from there into a really sustainable magical lifestyle yeah that's cool so was it you picking up the phone and just saying check out my music i'd love to come and play and they wanted to have you there or was there some kind of networking involved with uh, getting a chance to play in europe and, and canada it was really, yeah, just, just picking up the phone and, and shooting out hundreds of emails. You know, I might have sent out a hundred emails and got ten yeses. Oh, you know, and probably 85 non-answers and five no's. And, you know, you just take the yeses and, and run with that. And, you know, over the, once I was on the ground, I suppose the networking started to happen a little bit more. I'd heard good things about Europe and yep. Canada from other Australian musicians, other friends that were doing a similar thing, but it's, it's all been pretty grassroots. So that approach of bombing people's email inboxes, is that something where you find it hard to, I guess, stand out from all the other musicians that are trying to do the same thing? And if so, how do you actually make a, a point of difference between yourself and every other musician who's making similar music? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's a really it's a really tough one to answer. And I think um, a lot of it is luck. A lot of it's sort of being in the right place at the right time. I think you have to also be persistent as well and and willing to email them again or email them the following year you know if you're applying for a festival and they say no the first year it doesn't mean it's going to be a no next year so you have to be um, persistent without being a pain in the ass yep (laughs) and you know I think once once you can get your foot in the door in a couple of places the ball sort of keeps rolling and and everyone talks to everyone so um, it's the same as any industry. It's not what you know, it's who you know sometimes. Yeah, I've heard a story where you set up like a, not a fake email address, but an email in like your dad's name or something to act as your manager in quotes. Is that uh, is that true? Yeah. And did that help? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was probably, I don't know, five or six years ago now. I don't do that um, anymore, but it did <laughs> for sure, especially with the overseas stuff, you know, it's, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to give out names of other friends that have done the same thing, but I've got other musicians who have done the same thing. It's just that weird credibility thing that, you know, if you've got somebody managing you, then you must be the real deal, regardless of how good your music is. And I think, you know, it worked really well for the overseas stuff. And I think just the accent factor, you know, the international factor mm. got the initial yeses and, and got me on the ground over here and then it's just sort of rolled from there you know i'd like to think that the the music is good as well yeah um but yeah it's it's a lot of persistence and uh not being too disheartened if a lot of people say no and is it something where i guess just the fact that you're willing to pay your own way to get there they'll go oh this guy must be legit because he's coming from so far to play yeah hopefully you know i haven't touch wood I've never really had to be in the position where I didn't know that I had an, enough shows or I had um, enough 
financial support already lined up before I got on the plane, so I knew that my costs would be at least covered before I got on the plane, um, and then anything uh, in merch sales or anything above that would, would be a bonus. So I haven't had to pay my way out of my own pocket, touch wood. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, just the fact that you're, you're willing to get on a, a plane and especially the smaller venues as well, a, a lot of, um, and it's the same sort of thing happening in Australia you know, that you don't just, most of the time you don't just go and play a really big festival without, regardless of people know it or not, you know, all of these overnight successes have just been working their ass off for however many years playing little bars or little venues and, and those little places, um, appreciate it. I'm not a rock star anywhere. Um, and I still do a lot of really, really small shows and, and that's where the connection really happens too a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's being willing to, to travel and willing to play places that maybe some people would turn their nose up at, which, um, doesn't make sense to me. The point where you decide I'm ready to go overseas, how do you get to that and, when should do you think bands should decide that it's something that they should look at doing as a way to, I guess, take things to the next level? I suppose if you wanted, if you really, really want to do it, uh, I, I, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm not really any different to anybody else. There's so many amazing musicians, and, and if we're talking about Australians going overseas, there's so many incredible singer-songwriters in Australia, and and every single one of them could be touring internationally if that's what they want to do and I think it's just being like willing to to take that risk um, financially that you know it might cost you a little bit of money or you might not come home with any money but you would have had this amazing experience and it's it's such a small world now and the internet makes it possible to to get your music to a festival director in any country anywhere in the world immediately so if you're able to get there if you're willing to get there even if there's some sort of risk involved any anybody can do it and um i had a a really good catch up with cooper lower who's another um really amazing young singer songwriter from warnable who's just turned 18 and we sort of caught up for a coffee and he's like how do i i want to go to europe how do i make it happen and I was like, you know, you're good enough to do it. Just get on the the computer and start sending out emails. And um, I gave him a few email addresses from from people in Germany. And yeah, I think you also have to be a nice person, not just a good musician as well. It goes um, as as long a way as possible. But yeah, if you want to do it, you can do it. It's the same as a lot of things, I think. You just have to believe it. And it seems like you are able to do these tours and go back once you've done them and made connections with people, like you mentioned some networking before, and it means that you're in Canada fairly regularly. I think you've done a couple tours in Europe at least, but how much of it is building a following over there that means you're able to come back and those same people will want to see you time after time, even if it is like 12 months apart? Yeah, well, like like I said earlier, I, I would hope, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff in in any industry that people don't see and at the end of the day I'm a a singer songwriter I I write songs and I perform them live and if people aren't connecting with those songs whether that be 
the director of a festival who's booking you know booking you for their festival or people that are coming to see you play if the music's not there or if the connection through that music is not at a a level that people want to come back and see you then I I don't think the the longevity will necessarily mm. be there so the music is a huge part of it you know unfortunately um you know a few few of my songs have connected with the right people at the right time and and enabled me to to come back and I would I would love to to tour more regularly so it wasn't just once a year in Canada or once a year in in Europe but um yeah, there's sort of things that I'm putting in place as well to, to maybe try and do a couple of trips a year. Sure. And is it a thing where you have to kind of decide, do I want to be a big fish in the, the small pond of Australia or, you know, a smaller fish trying to reach all these different audiences everywhere? Or is it just your, is it simply just you're wanting to play in front of as many different people as possible? Yeah, for me, I suppose I sort of got to that point where I had been doing the touring musician thing in Australia for maybe five years, four or five years full time and, you know, and doing a similar circuit and really putting in the time and going around and around and around. And, um, it, it was definitely progressing. Um, but I also got to the point where I was like, I don't want to get to be a 40 year old musician and to a, you know, to not have experienced being able to play overseas or, you know, I was, I was at an age where I had no reason, nothing stopping me to be able to jump on a plane and go and play, you know, a month long tour in, in Europe where I had to be in a different city every night. You know, if I had a, a partner that wasn't down for that or if I had band members, I think for bands, it's really hard. I'm fortunate that I'm just a, a solo artist, but, um, yeah, it was just opportune sort of timing to give it a go. And yeah, absolutely. What would you say has been the hardest part of getting to this position where you can return to international tours and have people that are excited for you to come back every year? Like, what's been the biggest challenge in building that community or that following? Yeah, I think, like you said, only being able to come back—not only being able to, but only coming back once a year—is uh, is a difficult thing to really maintain that momentum. Um, fortunately, I've got enough other stuff to keep me going creatively and, and financially. And that's sort of the compromise, I suppose, that you play up between staying in Australia full-time or for me if I chose to move to Canada or to move to another overseas location that I really wanted to to really make a huge you know, you know, more of an impact, I suppose. So that's that's definitely a challenge. And I think just the, um, personally, you know, being away from from family and friends is really tough. You know, I, I miss um, weddings all the time. I am not there for Easter or Christmas sometimes. You know, there's... Um, and you know, I'm working on the weekend, so even when I am home when most people have time off I'm normally on the road somewhere so yeah regardless of being overseas or um, in Australia the the musician social life isn't ideal for maintaining the friendships 
in a way that I would really like to, I suppose. Um, I still have really good friends and, and hopefully they value the friendship as much as I do, even if we don't talk as much as I'd like to. Yeah, I guess it's a sacrifice of, of being a hard worker, regardless of what the job is sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Hey? Mm-hmm. So what would be your advice to anyone that, I mean, you touched on it before, but want, anyone that wants to either just make a career out of being a musician or whether they want to tour internationally or nationally, they might just want to get out of their hometown. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's okay for me to say it now. I suppose it's, it's really funny. And, you know, you would have been through the same thing, especially growing up in Warrnambool. You, you don't see the same opportunities firsthand as, as people who live in other parts of the country, other people who live in part, different parts of the world. And so when I was in year 11 or year 12 and, and you have all of, these teachers or all of these mentors you know that that cliche thing of saying you can do really anything that you put your mind to we like I said we live in the most amazing time that we're able to to spread our music worldwide and you know if you take the time to sit down and, and do the research into trends um, at, you know, social media trends or, um, you know, we, we also live in a time where it's relatively affordable that you can wake up, get on the plane in Australia and less than a day later you're on the complete opposite side of the planet. So it's, you know, if you're willing to, and just to do the shitty little jobs like, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? I should have asked that at the start. But <laughs> you can say what you um, need to say. <laughs> Podcasts are cool like that, hey. Um, but, you know, if you're, you're willing to make your own posters or, um, you know, just little things like that, which um, a lot of people think that I just um, sit in the bedroom and write songs and then magically go out and, and play at a festival or play at a venue and people turn up just because the venue's done the promotion and I wish that was the case that would be an ideal world um, <laughs> but there's you know there's a, there's a lot of work I spend more time doing the business stuff than I do writing songs uh, which I don't like but it also allows me to have the best job in the world and leave them lead the most magical life better than, than I could have ever imagined even when people at high school were saying that you can do whatever you want when you leave school you know that's you can do it it's um it's possible and you don't have to have a record label you don't have to have a manager you don't even have to have a booking agent you know it's it's possible to do this if you're willing to work hard and also think outside the square a little bit too yeah that's really cool I mean it's it seems like uh a lot of a lot of musicians will start off saying that they want to, you know, have all these hits and get played on the radio. And then the longer they've been playing, they just want to be able to keep doing what they're doing and and play and tour and and you know not have to work another job. So has there been any stage where you've had to kind of re- reevaluate your goals, or are you still hoping to, you know, become the next Jack Johnson or the next Xavier Rudd or whatever it is that you look up to? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. I think any musician that is doing this sort of similar career path would be lying if they said that they didn't want to play 
really nice, well-attended, big shows, sell lots of CDs, get um, really credible radio exposure um, and all of that sort of stuff because not only does it uh, allow the bank account to be a little bit more substantial but it also means that you don't have to go and do a a three-hour show under the TAB screens with the you know the greyhounds or the horses running over your head um, and people will turn <laughs> up to hear your songs which um, is the dream but yeah if if you continue to do it people will will start listening and you'll, you'll start to have a, a dedicated enough following that those gigs just start to fall away anyway you know I'm, I'm thankful enough that I haven't really done one of those gigs in three or four years the really nasty three setters in a pub where People are just asking you to play somewhere 69 or K-San. So, yeah, I th- it would be, it would be awesome to, it would be, um, yeah, it would definitely be amazing to, uh, to get more exposure to, um, you know, and to have management or booking that was really booking you good stuff and, and, and pushing your music and your brand. I haven't, um, found that person or those people in my life yet, but, um, I've also had a few amazing stories, I suppose, of connecting with, with audiences for whatever reason all around the world that have really brought home that at the end of the day, the reason that we listen to music is because it makes us feel something. And, and I knew that growing up because I loved music so much and it took me a really long time to figure out that maybe that's what I could do for other people as well and and as cliche as it sounds that that connection through music transcends any age any gender any race any language any ethnicity anything like that you know and it's really such it's it's a human connection it's a human experience that every single human on the planet can share in regardless of um, background. I guess it's a, about managing the degree to which you need to be content with where you are, but also have something motivating you to keep trying to do better and keep pushing forward. Mm. Yeah, what a good way to put it. It's a really delicate balance for sure. And everyone's going to have a different idea of what success is to them. And as long as you can drop mm. society's expectation on what it means to be successful. Um, in the entertainment industry, whether that's, you know, a musician or an actor or an artist or whatever, you know, if, I think if, if you can make it a, a full-time career in the arts, then, you know, regardless of if people recognize your name or recognize your voice on the radio, then, um, you're a pretty lucky human in my books. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's one thing to just go out there and do it regardless of whether you make money but if you can make money that's uh that's something that people need to to really value and, and cherish when when they've put themselves in that kind of position they've done well yeah for sure and it's it's, it's pretty it's pretty rare and maybe that's because people have that sort of skewed idea of success but it's rare but it's possible that's right so my last question for you on that topic if you knew that you could succeed that you could not fail, what would you do? Oh, that's, a, that's an awesome question. My partner and I often talk a lot 
Um, and I suppose the way that you worded the question is heaps better than just <laughs> coming back to the money side of things. But we're really, really so stoked with um, where we are and what we're able to do that, you know, we've bought lotto tickets in the past, but I almost sabotage it because I'm like, somebody else needs this more than me because I think even if we won the lottery, we would still be doing exactly what we're doing. Um, I think if I knew that I was able to succeed, then I would really push the, the way that I was able to be of service to others I suppose I would still really like that to be through music but whether it was through um, the way that my performances ran or my tours ran or the way where the profits went or just the people that were able to to come to shows and that's even something that I'm trying to do now is to, to play venues where you know all ages can come and all abilities can come doesn't matter if you're in a a wheelchair or you're five years old or 85 years old and you know i I really consciously try and make that part of my booking when i'm looking at tours and looking at shows and i suppose that if i knew that i couldn't fail that everything that i was going to do was going to be a success i'd really want to be able to share that with everybody to be of service to to as many people as possible yeah that's a it's a pretty good answer i think tom <laughs> no thank you thanks for hanging out oh no wait thank you so much for for having me on and even for for asking me to be on the show i appreciate it enjoyed listening to some of your other stuff as well so hopefully people will um explore this if they found your podcast through me for whatever reason hopefully they they take the time to explore your other guests Thanks for listening. You can check out Tom's music at facebook.com slash Tom Richardson Music. Check out the website tomrichardsonproject.com. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Johnny himself. Until next week, keep putting in work.